Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. All right, we got a treat for you today. I love this subject because uh, I've, I've been in sports my whole life, and, and uh, Tom Jones has written sports media uh, for much of his his career as well, as well as being a columnist for Tampa Bay Times. But we're going to talk about broadcasters and who are some of the best of all time and who are the next great ones in every sport. Um, some of these guys are getting up in age, whether it's Al Michaels. I mean, you think about um, you know some of the not just the play-by-play guys, but the color guys like Chris Collinsworth. Um you know, of course, the, the venerable John Madden uh, back in the day. So we're talking casting with my partner, Tom Jones, longtime radio host with me, a longtime columnist the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. And Tom, this is right up your alley. I was listening mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, I believe it was a podcast, and it was really interesting because uh, Al Michaels was the guest. And this is what made me think about this because – and you were saying just the other day, like Al Michaels has to be like close to his mid seventies at this point, is he? I think not? I looked or, it up the other day, and I yeah. think he's seventy six. I want to seventy six. And will turn seventy seven during the upcoming football season, which is just remarkable, of course. And um, you know, most well known for one call, right? He's done everything: football, baseball, um, you name it. But known for his call in Lake Placid during the Olympics. Um, you know, do you believe in miracles? Yes. And all of that. And I can hear that story told a million times. I've heard him <laughs> tell it a bunch of times. It's, it's just terrific. Um, He's never eaten I, a vegetable in his life, apparently. That's what I hear. That's what <laughs> or he I does, hear. Or he doesn't eat them anymore. Yeah, I don't know which. Uh, Gets French onion soup and has them take the onions out. That's I got that. a story about Al Michaels and restaurants. I'll get to that in just a minute. Okay. Because we were in one together. Um, but, uh, you know... The thing, the thing about him is he can do it all, right? He's done, he's done every sport. We've seen him do, um, you know, NFL games. Interestingly enough, um, he was asked what his greatest NFL game was, and this got me to thinking about this too. It was in Tampa. Mm-hmm. It was the Super Bowl with uh, Pittsburgh against the Arizona Cardinals. Right. And if you think about that Super Bowl, it's one of the better played Super Bowls. One of the more exciting games that there ever has been. It probably doesn't get enough credit for how great that game was when people mentioned great Super Bowls. Um, but it was back and forth. You know, uh, you had a 100-yard, uh, what, interception return at the end of the first half, and, and you know, the t- clock is running out. And yeah. you had Larry Fitzgerald get the lead, you know, for the Cardinals, Cardinals on a touchdown pass to Kurt Warner, and then Ben bringing them back down with that toe-tap catch by Santonio Holmes. I mean, so much happened in that game. Here's what else I didn't know about that game. It was the last game ever broadcast by John Madden. That's right. That's right. It's funny. I looked at, I looked it up the other day. I wrote a column. I talked to John Madden because I was doing sports, sort of the sports radio TV columnist. Yeah, you were. Back then. And so uh, I, NBC hooked me up, 
and got me an interview with John Madden. John Madden didn't do very many one-on-one interviews mm. during Super Bowl week, but uh, but I got him. I got him for about 20, 25 minutes over at the Tampa Convention Center. Wow, but that's a long One time. of those huge, like, you know, one of those huge ballrooms. Yeah. It's just me and him, like, those, <laughs> yeah. like two chairs. It was weird. <clears throat> he was, couldn't have been nicer. And we talked, and the last thing I said to him, I said, you know, I said, uh, have you thought about retiring? He's like, yeah, you know, eventually. Because, you know, remember, he didn't like to fly. He took yep. a bus everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he was he was getting older, and he wanted to spend more time with his family, his grandkids, and all that. And I, I, uh, I said, will this be your last game? And he said, uh, no, 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 I'll, no, this isn't it, no. And Interesting. And then not long after the game, he, he decided not. I think when he told me that, he I don't, may know, not if have he, known. I don't yeah. know if he knew, but yeah. – I think I've heard him say since then that that after that game he said, "Well, this is the one to go out on." It was a great game. Yeah, he had a good. On. He called he a, a good, good game. Call, yeah, and and felt like, eh, I'm not going to top that. So might as well. That was late. his. That was his yeah. walk off. Yeah, and it was. And I think it was several months, as I recall, uh, Michael's telling the story. It was several months later that he actually announced that that's uh, true. That he I was he had re- retired from broadcasting. Um, and you know Madden. The thing about Madden uh, has always been, of course, you know, uh, he was he was different. He, he was the guy that changed. He sort of changed what the color guy was, right? In all sports, like you know, back before him, you know, the play-by-play guy would call a play, and then you might have the analyst say, uh, you know, something about the play. You know, well, you know, on this play. Uh, you see him go in motion. He's got a one-on-one here. It was just very almost rote, right? There wasn't a whole lot of personality to it. You had a couple seconds, and then they were yeah, on to the it, next play. And, and just to interrupt real quick, like I was watching an old Super Bowl the other day. I can't remember who it was. And, and basically they were just repeating what the color guy was just repeating what the play exactly. was. Oh, you exactly. see, it goes about up here, and he, he really he jumps high in the air and makes an outstanding one-handed catch. Like, yeah, I'm watching it. You know? <laughs> I just saw it, yeah. yeah. And, and that, but that was it. That was the job. The job was not to get in the way of the play-by-play guy, first and foremost, but also, you know, if, if you had anything that you could add. And, 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 you know, when Madden came in, it all changed because, first of all, John was a Hall of Fame coach, and so he, he knew the game in, in a different way, but he was a character of the game. And he brought his personality – uh, to the to the broadcast booth, and also the telestrator, <laughs> which was pretty funny, mm-hmm. because that was coming aboard about that time. And you know, it wasn't enough for Madden just to circle, you know, who where the one on one matchup was. He was going right for the Gatorade jug, you know, like it was like the guy on the sideline. Well, you know, here's the guy there. He's, you know, this is the blue Gatorade, and then you got the you know the guy here. He's going to pick this up, and you know, Parcells was was in his heyday back then, and so. You know all the all the booms and uh, you know and, and the replays and um, you know all that personality he brought before him. I you know you really didn't get that from a lot of uh, analysts, and I think he no, I no. think he changed the culture of broadcasting in that sense. Absolutely, I think, and I think most people who really follow sports media closely, and I and I've read a ton of stories and columns on John Madden. Most people agree that he yeah he changed. He, he was. He might have been the most influential color analyst mm-hmm. in the history of sports. Like he really, he really changed things. And as you mentioned, Rick, he he talked like you and me. He, right. He talked like an everyman and would say like things. you're like, just watching a game. Yeah. Game with like, him, right? And he would say things like a oh, boom, you know, and yeah. and make and make yeah. grunts and sounds and like you you do the great imitation. Uh-huh. 
uh, too, with uh, the Caliendo does it like, uh, you know, and right, right, right. You get all talks about, and you. talks about Brett Favre and yeah, he just <laughs> sounded like just a regular, just like a regular Joe bag of donuts, just like everybody else. And that, that's what appeal. And yet here's the thing. He knew the game. So, yeah. He was accessible to people. Like he explained the game in a way that everybody understood without talking down to him. You know. You know what else he did? He promoted it. Like he made. You talked about Brett Favre, right? And and Brett Favre was great. But when he said Brett Favre was great, <laughs> it was different, right? right, so, right. Mean, here's a guy here like Brett Favre. I mean, you know, you you, you get you get ten Brett Favres, and you can go all the way. And and I mean, but he. He 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 brought out Brett Favre's personality, and he brought out you know he knew he knew these guys in the production meetings. You know they would talk about things besides football, and um, you know uh, and and he he could just I guess it takes one to know one, but he could find those guys uh, their their buttons and their personalities, and and almost make you anticipate what they were going to do. You know, it's like here's a guy here, he's going to run over this guy, boom, see, and all that. And and it just it brought so much energy to the broadcast that in that instance, guys like Al Michaels had to stand back. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Which was different for a play by play guy. You had to let John be John, you know. Right. And he what he used to give away a turkey leg or whatever for <laughs> the turducken. Thanks, <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's just part like, turkey, part duck. <laughs> it's a turducken. No, and I think you make a really good point because Rick, before that, and they were always good uh Analysts. I mean, yeah. back in the old Monday Night Football, we had Dandy Don Meredith and Howard Cosell. And you got to give them credit too, because yeah. they 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 were characters. You know, I mean, uh, Don Meredith certainly was right. And 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 they had people like when we were really little, like guys like Tom Brookshire and Al D. Regattas and people like that. But that's right. You're right. The more famous people were really the the play by play announcers. You know, the, oh for sure, the Pat Summerall's, Kurt Gowdy, and Kurt Gowdy, and Jim yeah. Simpson, and all those guys. <laughs> Whereas Chris Schenkel. This is Jim Simpson of the Full Color Network here in Buffalo. <laughs> is that Keith Jackson? I mean, those I were the, Keith Jackson, those the were voice the guys. of college football. But, you know, right. they did everything. Like, that was the thing, like, back then. And they still do, I guess, but not as much. Like, there are there are baseball announcers today, mm-hmm. and there are guys that do it all. But, but you know, Book Shambi, you're not going to hear necessarily on a, you know, on a uh, Monday night game, right? No, I mean, right. You know, but but back then you forget how great the really great ones were. I mean, I remember, um, of course, you know, Pat Summerall was with Madden for years, right? And Pat Pat was the perfect straight man because, and even Caliendo does them both, right? But Pat was the perfect straight man because he would never lose track of what was going on, and he would he wouldn't set John up, but he let John be John, and he get right back. You know, it'd be like uh, Emmett's. He's at the thirty, the twenty five. The twenties down inside the fifteen, and then John would hey, here's a guy here. You know, that's right, John. Now the snap, you know, and he would never like he just go right back to where he was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Just and you know perfect. what's interesting about you know Summerall was a player. Uh, yeah, was, a kicker. Yeah, yeah, he came up as a, as a player, not as a as a, um, and he was the play by play guy. Only I think the only other there aren't many guys. There's been a few. Frank Gifford was the same way. He was a Frank play by play guy, and but but you're right, receiver. like. The the play by play guys were the stars. Yes. And then once after Madden, like I said, Howard Cosell, and you had people, some others, mm-hmm. but Madden really changed the game. Where now all of a sudden, like, then here's how he changed it too: is everybody's like, no, we got to get it. We got to get our Madden. We, we need gotta, a Madden. Yeah. Right. We need a Madden. So people tried to turn to people like Ditka and mm-hmm. uh, Bill Parcells and and uh, people like that to to become um, become their Madden. 
You know, everybody was looking for it. Very few have right. been able to do it. You know. Right. No, it, it, it it's true, and um, you know, you, you think about, uh, and we've lost some great broadcasters. I mean, these guys all got up there in age. Obviously, some of them retired. One of the best ever, and you forget that he did all the sports too. Was Vince Scully? Um, you yeah. know, who recently retired a couple of years ago from the Dodgers. Scully, and you may not remember this, if you remember the start of the 49ers uh, dynasty, and I got a picture up here in my, uh, in my uh, bonus room up here of Dwight Clark making the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince Scully called that game on television. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Because you know him as the Dodgers broadcasters. But one, there was a lot of people that called that game uh, on radio and, and other places. But I think the best call of that catch was Ben Scully, because Scully had this ability, and Tom, you know this too with the best broadcasters, they will step back, right, mm-hmm. and say nothing. They will let the moment simmer for a while, you know, when there is a big moment. And Scully is still was always one of the best at that, of knowing when those pauses needed, needed to happen. So Dwight Clark makes the catch, and, you know, it's like Montana back to pass, and he throws, and he's Dwight Clark, and, and he just shuts up, and he says... And it's a madhouse here at Candlestick. And it was. Yeah. And he just stepped back, you know? Yeah. And, and it's one of the greatest calls of that, of that iconic moment in, in NFL history. You know, to, of today's guys, I mean, three guys to me stand out now. I mean, the, the two major guys, Joe Buck, as far as play-by-play. Oh, yeah. Joe Buck and Jim Nance. Now, they do multiple sports. Jim Nance does. Absolutely. Obviously does football. He's the number one football guy on CBS. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. And he does. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll tell you a story about Jim Nance in a minute. But he um, he also does golf. He's their, the voice of golf. And then he'll you'll see him for the next three weeks with March Madness. He's like their main college uh, basketball <laughs> guy, too. So uh, several years ago, Jim Nance did a – he used to do this thing. And I think – I don't know if he still does or not. He used to – his dad – it was a big deal with his dad giving him a tie or something like that. And so he would give his tie to, uh, like, his his MVP of the of the. And I didn't know he did this for the longest time. I read about this. I didn't yeah. know that's what he did. So he did it. And I wrote a column, basically. Not just a, not a whole column, but it was like it was part of my Sunday, my uh, shooting from the lip sort of, you know. Just <laughs> snarky column. Snarky <laughs> column. The day after, like on a Monday, I usually wrote it. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. And I'm like, and so I going I, through the weekend. Yeah. I mean, and I took a shot highlights. at Jim Nance and I'm like, man, these kids are just, they just won the national championship. <laughs> they're, they're cutting down nets. One final gonna, moments playing all that. And, now, yeah. and then, yeah. And then you got to jump in, give them your tie. They don't want your tie. Like get out of the way, man. <laughs> and I really ripped them. So a few years ago when I was still no. with the times, oh no, I get a call from the CBS PR guy. And he says, uh, "Hey, we're coming." And I think the Bucks. They there was a must have been a must have a been rare a thir- game on it was CBS. A Thursday night game, so uh-huh. that's why. So Nance was in town. And I think it was Romo's first year. And so the PR guy says, uh, "Hey, uh, we're in town. Uh, Jim Nance wants to have a beer with you at the hotel over there on the causeway or by the causeway." And you're thinking that's awesome, a beer with Jim Nance. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm thinking like, oh, this is oh, okay. <laughs> he so remembers you, what I wrote. Uh, so we go over there, and he's like, and he's just like he is on. Hi, Tom. Good to see you. Hello, friend. And we sit down and we get a beer. And I said, Hey, Jim, before we, you know, hey, how you doing? How long you been working at the Times? Blah blah. blah. And I said, I gotta, I, I said, I gotta tell you, like, just so we're clear, like, I, 
I and I've written some nice things about him. But I wrote a column about it. He goes, he knew. He completely knew. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and that's like he's like he even told me he's like, you know how much I get ripped on a daily basis from <laughs> Twitter and everything. I was like, I'm totally confident in what I do. And it, uh, and he was, and I felt <laughs> bad afterwards. And and now and the last time they were in town. He, even though I was over at Pointer by then, he sent me a text and said, "Hey, really? If you happen to be in, if you happen to be over at Raymond James for the for whatever game they were Kansas playing City, show. I think probably yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he said, let me know. Stop by the booth. Would love to catch up. And he'll send he'll shoot me a text every night. He's the nicest guy. No kidding. And now I feel like a total piece of dirt for uh, for ripping him that one day on that column. But yeah, although I do got to wonder, I do got to wonder like what these kids are thinking when he hands them a tie at the end of the game. You know, you know I'm, I'm sure they appreciate that later. One, you know? one <laughs> shining moment, and he goes, "Hey, hey, hello, friends. Here's a tie." Have but a tie. I think this he's my tie. Terrific. You know? I think he's. I'd rather have he, a my tie. <laughs> That's true. I think he's really tie, good. I think know? he's. I think he's excellent. And I think Buck Buck gets a lot of. A lot of uh, grief from. Parents. I don't know why. I think, why I so many people don't like Joe Buck? Do you know? Do you, does, does that make any sense to you? Is it because he's uh, these are enemies of St. Louis, perhaps? Or no, I th- they well, see first him as off, a Cardinals guy. Or everybody thinks that they're that their broadcasters are against their team. Like, and let me just clear this up. They don't care. The broadcasters, they don't care. They don't care that's, who wins. That, actually, that's not true because Kurt Gowdy used to cheerlead for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I will go to my grave saying that. It's funny. I used. I to, didn't like the Chiefs, and he would just be all. See, over and I them. used to think he hated the Steelers, and I talked to Raiders fans, <laughs> and they're like, "Are you kidding me? He loved the Steelers. He hated the Raiders. <laughs> he did hate the Raiders." But here's the, you know what I think it is a little bit with Joe Buck is I think I think first off some people for whatever reason it's just the way people are they resent him. Because they feel like nepotism got him in the door, and it may have. Like he was Jack okay. Buck's son. All right. I think, think it's like well, where he's gotten some he... people in the White House. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, where did he get off? You know, he didn't pay his dues. But here's the thing: I think he's tremendous. And I'm telling you what: if you're if you're from if you live in the Tampa area and you're a Rays fan, go back and watch that Brett Phillips play in in the World Series. Oh, it's perfection. He is masterful. Like I would have been if I'm and now. I have no obviously experience as a play-by-play. But my call would have been something like this. Here's the wind and a pitch. Hits it to right field. Throws it. And it missed it. And it trips. I would have been stumbling all over the place. And of course. And if you watch him do it, it's almost as if he had seen the play five times before, and he's like, okay, now I'm ready to call it. That's how composed he is. It was unbelievable. And Tom, we 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 actually talked about this. I think when it happened um, that night, uh, I remember I was on a road covering a a playoff game. I think I chatted with you about it. But um, if if you listen uh, and don't weigh this broad this podcast this way, because I st- stammer and stutter all the time, like I'm doing right now. What's so amazing about it is not only does he describe one of the most you know, frenetic plays in the history of the World Series, right? Where, you know, it was a big hit followed by an error, followed by a throw, followed by a guy falling down, then the throw getting away from the catcher, and oh yeah, the guy crawling to to home plate, and the game is over. I mean, all that happens in a matter of seconds. Joe Buck does not miss a a syllable. Like he doesn't go ah uh, oh eh. There is there is no wasted syllables. There is no wasted sound. Um, he's not rushed. It's it is. It's like the perfect call. I'm telling ways. you, it's. All, I I truly believe it, it. It sounded like he had seen the play before and it's was great, reading. His, I'm just going to read the script. It's a great know? way of putting it. Like they matched up the script with with the with the uh, tape later. You know, it's amazing. And 
Um, and then Al Michaels, obviously, is the, I wasn't going to mention. Uh, there's one other guy I want to mention in a minute, but Al Michaels. You said you had a restaurant story about. Oh, Al well, Michaels. yeah. I mean, this is self-serving, but um, you mentioned because you mentioned meat and the fact that he doesn't eat vegetables. So he we're at a Ruth. Steak, we're at a Ruth Chris's in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, my uh, wife and myself. And um, I don't even know if we were married at that time. I can't tell you. It was. I'll tell you when it was. It was probably back in the 99 season or 97 season, somewhere in there, where the Rams and the Bucks were rivals, probably because of the – it might have even been as late as 2000, but probably because of, you know, their championship game and everything. And um, they're in St. Louis, uh, staying outside of town in a really ritzy area where there was, you know, I don't know where we were at, a Hyatt or Ritz-Carlton or something like that. And across the street is a Ruth Chris. And it's which it's is like tremendous, a, by the way. Well, which is awesome. Never and had back a bad meal. You know, back in the day, we could we could write that off, Tom. <laughs> Not now. Um, I've yeah. never had a bad meal at a risk. Never had a bad meal. So I take my wife over there, and uh, and it was late. It was like a late Sunday. Now we we always ate late for some reason. It was kind of a lateish Sunday night dinner. So they sit us down. There's almost nobody in this restaurant, and they sit us down. And up above us. Is Derek Brooks having dinner with Lovey Smith? Because Lovey Smith is a defensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams at this point. Is this so Tom? they're having dinner. Is this Tom? Don't go leaving the charge. Um, and he's above us on this sort of like split level uh, dining area. And we're down below him. And then over here on the left, and this is this will tell you what era of Monday Night Football it was. You've got the Monday Night crew, right? And it's it's the producers and it's Al Michaels. And who was the who was the comedian they had at that time? Uh, Miller was it? Dennis uh, Miller, yeah. Dennis Miller, hey babe, um, <laughs> Dennis, hey babe, Miller. He was there, uh, and I can't think of who the sideline reporter was, uh, but she was there for years and years. So they're all having a big, you know, Monday night football dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, Ruth Chris, they come by, and they present. The meats to you, right, or the, the fish, the or raw whatever. cut of meat. Yes, right. the actual. It's a. It's a. Here's it's the a, T-bone. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly, and they're not cooked. They're just. They're there. They are right. The 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 whether it's fish, meat, whatever. And um, they were in the process of doing that, and the waiter stepped away for a second, and Michaels and them had finished up, uh, and were leaving the restaurant as a group. And I don't know, probably because my wife was a, is very attractive and she looked good that night. I don't know what possessed him. He stops. He grabs a uh, a napkin off the table, puts it over his arm like he's the the maitre d or the waiter, and then gives gives the entire Ruth Chris meat presentation to us as Al Michaels because it's Al Michaels. Right. It was the most bizarre thing in the so world. I don't, like I, I don't know. Would I would I be like laughing or would I be like like uh, I don't want to look at him? Like how did you? React I, I mean, to- I I I kind of I was amused by it. I did smile because it was kind of funny. He was trying to be, I think he was trying to be humorous. I mean, why would Al Michaels stop and do a meat presentation, right? But he was like, you know, he didn't say, uh, do you believe in filet? Yes. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, <laughs> right, right, right. He was just like, and here we have the lovely T-bone with, uh, you know, a beautiful, uh, you know. And he just do it. And like, it wasn't just one or two items. Like, he did the whole table. Like, he did the whole presentation and did it well. So, yeah, I've... Uh, I've had that experience. <laughs> he's, I, I th- you know, and at, at age seventy six, we were talking about it just a minute ago. He's still on top of his game. He's yes, he, he is. He, he now he, he's really cut back on his schedule. Here's the plan, Rick, moving forward. And I know we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the like who are the next sort of group of people. So I guess the plan is that 
Drew Brees retires. He's already signed a deal with NBC. The plan is for him to do Notre Dame football, I think, and be an analyst on Sunday night, like the football night in America. So he'll be show. with Tony Dungy and, and uh, Rodney and, Harrison, and, Rodney yeah, and Harrison, Phil Sims or Chris Sims and all that. I don't, I don't know how they're going to work all that out, but apparently he's going to he's going to do that. They are assuming that Tarico, Mike Tarico, someday is going to replace Al Michaels. Tarico as as the announcer, the main announcer on Sunday Night Football. And then the assumption is that Drew Brees eventually is going to replace Chris Collinsworth. Now, I don't know if Collinsworth's aware of that. Um, <laughs> Probably not. Because he's only six. He will be if he listens to the podcast. Right. I think Collinsworth reads Andrew Marshawn of the New York yeah, right. Post. But I think, you know, um, Collinsworth's only 62. I think he's on top of his oh, game. Oh, he I could think go for really years, good. yeah. Um, now, does maybe he gets to a point where he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um can't imagine but, he would do that, but but and now and then, or maybe he'll go somewhere else. I mean, I think Romo's pretty locked into CBS for a while. I think Romo's really good. I don't know what Troy Aikman, how much longer Aikman's still kind of a young guy. I I see him doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you, you, get these analyst jobs, man. You don't want to walk away from in the NFL anyway. Well, we always said that, right? There's like when you get that chair, you, you know. You don't want, and and that was the thing that, and I'm, I guess I wasn't surprised when John Gruden left Monday Night Football, um, and he did it for a hundred million dollars, and he had a chance to coach again. You know, they asked Bill Cowher to come back for years. They've asked a lot of different coaches. You know, John eventually did, and and now look what broadcasters get paid. He probably wishes he was still in the booth, but it's hard to get that seat. You know what I mean? Like they're, you know, and there's look, they've tried a lot of things with with Booger McFarland and. Um, you know, through the years, different different guys, and, and, and they've switched up of late, especially on, on Monday Night Football. Now it's, what, Lewis Riddick and, um, you know, and, and uh, Bob, uh, Brian Greasy and, right, you know, right. and, and some other guys. But um, but that – Yeah, those Steve, are, Steve Levy's Steve the, Levy. the announcer, yeah. yeah but you're, the, no, that's – Those are that's, coveted chairs, though. Those sure. are coveted, really hard jobs to get and very few and far between. You know, it's funny, though. So, like, who's next? Like, okay, so – Michaels is 76. Buck's still a relatively young guy. I want to say he's in his 60s, maybe. No, Jack Buck Late. or Joe Buck. I, Joe Buck. 50. Uh, around 50, I would Round guess. Around 50, okay. Um, Nance is like 61 ish. Uh, I think he wants to keep going for a while. But you know what's funny is like, I looked up the other day. I, I'm a really big Kenny Albert fan. I think Kenny Albert's really good. He can do hockey. Kenny Albert. Yeah, he sounds, sounds a little just like, like his, his dad. dad. Yes. Just uh, not his horse. <laughs> does, does, uh, who, by the way, is still calling games, right? Or was Unbelievable. At least a, yeah, up until last um, year, I think. Right. Um, but I think Kenny Albert's in his 50s, which it's hard to like wrap your brain around. I don't know. I don't know if there are any superstars like in their 30s who were going to say, okay, they're the next part of the next group, you know? I guess Tarico is the closest guy who can um, transcend all the different sports and just is a really good play-by-play guy. He can be a host in golf. He can, you know, he can do everything. You know? He reminds me, you know, he reminds me a lot of uh, Costas. He's he's sort of yes. a Bob Costas type where he could he could host a big event. And we've gone through this whole broadcast and not mentioned Bob Costas until yeah, just now. Yeah, tremendous. I which think is how, in, did, how did we do that? He is um, – I can tell you this, too, and I know Costas a little bit. And he is, I know a lot of people think, oh, he's, he's a little too, too much of a smarty pants or, you know, he, he is truly one of the nicest human beings that I've ever come across. Like he is – and a lot less of an ego than you think. 
Like, I, I think that's the thing that people think about. Like, oh, he's so smug. Like, no, not really. He's a really down to earth. And I think he's just, when you look back over, probably the, I would say, yeah, top two or three broadcasters of our, of our lifetime anyway. I mean, he was the, he was forever the, he was the voice of NBC, right? All the Olympics. Um, you talk about football, um, baseball certainly was his, his first love. Yeah. You know, World coming Series out of games. St. Louis called yeah. World Series games. Uh, you still see him on MLB Network every now and then calling a game. Yeah, yeah. And now he does um, some work for CNN. Just I know he like he weighed in on the Tiger Woods. The, the Tiger yes, Woods. Yes, they car call accident. him often. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he's still very thoughtful. He has a way of of voicing essays off the cuff that would be better than anything you or I could sit down and write. Right. You know he, what I mean? Because he, he has a good grasp of history, of yes, tradition. He does. Uh, I know people I've referred to him to. He's sort of like this, the conscience of sports. Like mm-hmm. He seems to, to be really self-aware and really aware of what's, um, you know, what's going on in the world mm-hmm. uh, and how and how sports applies to life and applies to applies to politics and all that. I, I think he's got a really good and he does it like you said, off some of the things like I've interviewed him where I, he doesn't know the questions that are coming. And right. I've almost felt like, are you reading this? Like, it's, it's so <laughs> it's smart. That good. Like, it's, I know. How did that? You know, I can't barely say put three sentences together without stopping and, and recalibrating my thoughts. And this guy's just like, boom, boom, boom. Sounds like he's reading a book, you know. So. His grasp of history, too, and, and, and the moments in sports history and what these figures meant, um, whether it was to their cities or to their teams or that era, that time, you know, he can – he can put you in that time, you know, whatever you're talking about, boxing or, um, you know, he's talking about Tiger Woods and, um, you know, just uh, all the all the, the tragic moments of his life and the different dividers of his life, you know, and, and, and that. And he's just he's just tremendous. And he still he still can do it. He's still very capable. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I still think you're right. I think Joe Buck to me is, is still very, very good. Uh you know, he's another guy that seems down to earth. I've had a beer with him after an NFC Championship game. You know, he was very uh, polite to everybody. Aikman is that way as well. Uh, Romo for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, Romo, I don't know. you know, I, <laughs> Romo's exactly the way off the field as he as he's in a booth. Or you know, uh, mm-hmm. when I ran into him when I was having that beer with Nancy, he comes. I heard he's got the big smile on his face, like, "Hey, Jim, what's going on? We're gonna head over to the restaurant here in a little bit." And it was just, ah, Jim, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Get again, an appetizer Jim. at They're, the bar. Get an appetizer at the bar, Jim. Tony. <laughs> That's all I know about Jim Nance. That's no. We Jim, can do I'll the, tell you, I, the Jim masters Nance. thing. We can do as well. Oh, Jim. Yeah, no, and I and I can't reiterate enough to like what a gracious man Jim Nance is. Just a. Just well, that must be how he's lasted so long, right? Well, and he's yeah, and that, and he's really good. And you he's know the really thing talented. I the thing I respect so much about Nance is, look, Romo came in right out of the Cowboys, and there were a lot of questions. But boy, I mean, CBS threw the world at him, threw a ton of money at him. He never called a game live on the air. They certainly um, did their scouting on him and and thought he would just be a superstar. And it turns out they're absolutely right. But I'll tell you, none of that works if Nance doesn't. Like basically get out of the way and let Romo be Romo. That's true. And, and to talk about talk about not having an ego. I mean, you're here. You are. You've been doing this for thirty years or whatever. And here comes this new guy who's getting all the attention. And well, his success depends on you 
being gracious to him, and he's been nothing but. It's that's where I really respect Nance and what he's done. And then all of a sudden, Tony Romo is making twenty million, and your contract comes up, and you're like, "Hey, hey, hey!" What about <laughs> well, me over here? Yeah, it's helped out a little bit, but um, but no, I respect these guys. That I mean, think about Nance. I mean, he's going from you know calling the Super Bowl to um, to then moving on to the, to the Masters are here eventually, and then you know mm-hmm. March Madness. Like he does, he calls all these other golf tournaments. He's out there calling every tournament every weekend on CBS. Right. So. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Let me ask you this. Going way back, Machine, real quick. When you think of Wild World of Sports, who do you think of? Remember that show? Yeah, Jim McKay, right? Jim McKay, okay. And then maybe even after that, Chris, remember a guy named Chris Schenkel? Yeah, Chris Schenkel, for sure. He used to do Did a lot of college football uh, hosting on Saturday afternoons, right? And also was the host of the Pro Bowling Tour. That's right. Which <laughs> I watched every Saturday. It was a hell of a show, man. Unwillingly, because <laughs> this is back in a day where you got like five stations. And I'd exactly. be watching like Batman and my grandfather. And uh, yeah. My grandfather would come over. And he would, you know, he'd sit on the couch. Nobody would be home. It would just be me. My dad or mom would be out somewhere. Yeah. And he'd come over. He said, "Hey, Tommy, put on that, uh, put on that Pro Bowlers tour." And I was like, "Ah." <laughs> so and I, so I put it on, and then I would just wait about five minutes. Pete, Pete he, Weber, yeah, Pete Weber and Earl Anthony. <laughs> there you go. And Earl and Anthony. I would just wait a minute because five minutes, and my grandfather he would fall asleep on the couch watching. <laughs> you could go back. So then I, so then I turned it, but it was back when we had. You the, were the human remote, is what you right. Were. So, but back then, if you remember, you couldn't change the channel without the clink. Oh right. Clink. <laughs> so as soon as I went changer. clink, my grandfather would wake back up. He goes, "Hey, hey, put that bowling on." <laughs> And he literally would stay there for the whole, you know, for the whole two hours of bowling, yeah, and then and then leave. And I, so I end up watching bowling every week. Right Chris after Schenkel. bowling, and Chris Schenkel, uh, or if it was college football, then like Lawrence Welk was coming on right after that. Lawrence Welk, but Lawrence Welk comes on, yeah, and then on Sundays uh, the um, Wild Kingdom. Yeah, mutual vomas. <laughs> mutual yeah, vomas. I'll sit up here in the tree while Jim neuters the lion. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> right. Here you go, Jim. Here's a Swiss Army knife. Go. That's right. Watch out for that. Speaking of tough jobs, Mutual of Omaha's insurance can insure your tough job. You know, it's just, <laughs> I mean, the great days of. And then there was always, hello, everybody. Keith Jackson here. Oh, boy. Give me the Alabama. <laughs> Crips inside and the Red Wolves with Texas Tech and oh boy, almost anything happened and almost anything does. And a Fumbert Nelly <laughs> in all the Olympics and Alberto Juan Tarina. And oh boy. You know, That's a pretty good Keith Jackson. He was uh yeah, I can do it. He he was he was the voice of college football for me in my in while I was Yeah. You know, even well, you know what? He did the, the very end. first season of Monday Night Football. He was the he did, used, and then but then and he, he also was, did some some uh, Monday Night Baseball games as well. Remember those Monday Night Baseball? And he, you know, he's another guy who who let the play breathe. Tried to let the to play breathe. Yeah. It was funny. I was watching the other night. Uh, I was on YouTube. You know how you get on these rabbit holes on YouTube. Oh you start, yeah. They're next great. thing you know, you're watching like I end up with Whitney Houston singing the national anthem. Then I go to bed. Well, go ahead. I, somehow I go on look <laughs> just looking at it like a video of like. 
some fight in a hockey game that happened last night. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm watching like game four of the 1987 American League Championship <laughs> Series. So, you know. But I saw, I was going go back and watching all these highlights, and I came back to the 1976 American League Championship Series, game five. And it's Chris Champ. Chris Champ hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth to win the oh, I, send, I send Yankees that, yeah. at Yankee Stadium, and fans just come flying out. But if it's funny, like, and it was, and it was that one, and also the Reggie Jackson three homer game where yep, it was yep. both of them were like similar type calls where the announcer was like, "Here's the windup pitch." He goes, "There's a drive," and they're waiting to see what happens. And he goes way back, and all of a sudden Howard Cosell just bulls his way. He's like, "That's God, that's out of here," and just takes over the complete broadcast. <laughs> And I'm sure Keith, Keith Jackson's like, oh, jeez. Hijacks it. Yeah. But, but yeah, he did, oh, he did a yeah, lot of those Monday night. Like Howard Monday, Monday night. I loved Howard. I, loved, I thought Howard was tremendous, even as a kid. Really? Yeah. Did you not? He was, he was great on boxing. Uh, I, I, I guess what I didn't like about him, you know, back in the day, before they had Sports Center and stuff like that, we're, we're kind of aging ourselves. We were kids. But, we're, but the only place you got half, highlights were at halftime of Monday Night Football. Right. And the Bucks were always so bad that they never made the highlight show. It was always the Steelers, you know, or the Eagles. Hey, right. throwing down the field to this guy, Harold Carmichael, the, the angular. angular one. Yeah, <laughs> right, Dallas. Yeah, and, and the best thing he did was halftime highlights. Right, you know, um, which then became Burma's. Eh, it's a two minute warning, which has always lasted more than two minutes. Um, but the uh, the halftime, so, you know, the the thing I remember, and and I've I've gone down this rabbit hole was uh, tonight in New York, gunned down yeah. the famous Beatle John Lennon in front of his apartment. <laughs> you know, yeah. I the mean, they, yeah. it was live news. Yeah, dead on arrival. Yeah, he was dead uh, on arrival. He yeah. Ca- yeah, he called that. They, they were, there was actually a movie that they did, uh, and John Turturro played Howard Cosell, and it was based on a book like it was called like Monday Night, Monday Night Madness or Monday Night Mayhem or something like that. And mm-hmm. the funny thing was, and he told, there was this, apparently this story that happened that Frank Gifford would occasionally screw up uh, names. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a famous story where, the, like, guys in the, boo- in the truck were taking bets on, like, what part <laughs> of the game that Frank Gifford would screw up. Dennis, remember Dennis Thurman, who played for Dennis the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, at what point in the game will he first refer to him as Thurman Munson? <laughs> It was, of course, the late catcher for the New York Yankees. So apparently he, he caught him Thurman Munson and did it several times. And apparently there was a break in the action. And Howard turns to, in front of Frank, turns to some kid in the, who's working as like a production assistant in the press box. He goes, hey, let me ask you something. He said, uh, where are you from? He goes, aren't you from, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Canton, Ohio. He goes, Canton, Ohio. And he knew that already. He said, wasn't Thurman Munson from Canton, Ohio? He said, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, he goes, was. wasn't Thurman Munson killed in a plane crash in Canton, Ohio? He said, yes, he was. <laughs> well, then how in the hell is he making all these tackles out here today? <laughs> and, of course, Gifford apparently just went, but shut up, Howard. Who the hell? They had a, practically had a fight in the booth. Whether that's a true story or not, but it was in the movie. It was in it's, that movie. It's with, one of the uh, funniest stories I've ever heard. Yeah. I hope it's true. <laughs> I absolutely hope it's true. Yeah, no, that's those were uh, those are the the and, and I mean they you know they they made Monday Night Football obviously and and um, Cosell you know was great on boxing his relationship with Ali and all of that but he was the first sort of non 
uh, you know, sports guy, and, if you will. And resented the athletes who came into the booth. Like, didn't yes. like the fact yes. that they didn't go to school to learn how to do it. They they didn't That's know how right. to write. They were just basically good at sports, and that gave them. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now that most fans, like, if you've never played the game, mm-hmm. then what credibility do you have? You don't know. You well, don't know he wrote like. his book title was I Never, I Never Played the Game, right? Yeah. Wasn't right. that the name of his book? Exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it was, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, this is uh, this is always fun to. T- I, I mean, I love you did sports media for so long. I know you talked to all these guys, and and it. Uh, you know, we didn't mention the Dick Enbergs and oh my, and the signature calls. We Doc do- Emmerich, who was another oh, sweetheart of a guy, and one. Of, and how many Emmys did that guy win? Oh yeah, a million. And you yeah. know, and like some of the other broadcasters today, I think it's really cool that like like I'm a big Doris Burke fan. I think she mm-hmm. does a great job on um, the, Holly the uh, TN. And- yeah. Oh, and the TNT. Uh, oh, the inside, TNT guys are tremendous inside the uh, NBA. That's, I think that's Ernie, the best show. Kenny, yeah. that's crazy. That is. And then he goes Shaquille. He goes Shaquille O'Neal. If you have, if you have a chance, by the way, just everybody go look. There's a clip on YouTube, and it's called. I think it's called. If you just type in like Shaq. Uh, one two one two one or one two three one or something like that. He gets into a, he he almost gets into a fight with Charles Barkley, because what happens was, and I hate to spoil it, but basically they were talking, and Charles goes first, and then Kenny Smith, and then they're supposed to go to Shaq, right? And it was so Charles talked, and Kenny talked, then Charles started talking again, and Shaq got mad. <laughs> Because he didn't get a chance to talk. And he goes through this day, he goes, it's supposed to be one, two, three, not one, two, back to one. And Ernie Johnson loses his mind. He's laughing so hard. And Shaq thinks it's funny, but not really. And he, and he, keeps, telling, he keeps telling you, go ahead, Chuck, keep it up. I'll knock your ass out. Go ahead. Do you think it's funny? It is. what it, You That's will die laughing. Jack. It's pretty. It's a pretty good. So look it up on YouTube. I think it's like Shaq, one, two, one, two, one, or one, two, three, one, something. That is one of the best show, one of the best shows on on uh, on TV, the TNT broadcast, and the whole you know, of course, I mean Charles Barkley, right? Right. What a, what a personality, what a broadcaster he became. And it's again you know. one of those things where guys are just like it's like Madden, just, yeah. you know, to sort of bring it full circle. Like these yeah. are just guys talking. You feel like right. you're sitting in a living room listening to three guys, four guys who really know what they're talking about, talking about the NBA. Yeah, that's no, really good. Well, this is fun. Uh, we'll do it again, Tom. And uh, what do we got going on over at uh, Pointer.org? Uh, I'm trying to track down my uh, buddy, Katie Kirk. Oh, yeah, Doing really? A little Q&A for her, sec- her second week on Jeopardy. A little more hand sanitizer and some wine for you there and her. You go. And we got, yeah. uh, there was a little correction uh, controversy at the Washington Post I've been writing about. I the saw last that. Week. Yeah. That was so, kind of a belated correction, I would say. Yeah, about two months late. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so I, it's all, it brought back the old days where I was getting letters from people going, Hey, how do you real quickly on that? Yeah. How do you feel about, um, and this was a post matter too, I believe, uh, you have a source of a story that never is published for one reason or another. Do you, and then it becomes relevant for another reason. And do you reveal the name of that source ever? Is there a statute of limitations on when that source can be revealed? No, I other than when they're dead. <laughs> No, which and that, is what that Bob was, Woodward you know, did. Which was what Bob Woodward did with uh, Deep Throat. Right. And he said that he would always keep um, keep Deep Throat a secret until either he got permission 
or the guy died and it turned out the guy died and then he was he was able to to come forward with it no i think once you make that agreement it's it's that way forever you know so if you tell somebody you'll keep them anonymous now i think the bar for for anonymous sources has to be really high yeah like it's you and and i and it's typically in work rick you've you've quoted anonymous sources before very rarely but i'm sure you have mm-hmm. um you, your bosses know it's not like you're the only one that knows like yeah usually no, it, you're not putting you, that in without their consent right and typically and a lot of people don't know this not always the case but there there are usually situations where if you quote somebody anonymously you somebody else is confirming it as well that mm-hmm. that information so maybe if say uh you know, um, the J- Tom Jones tells you something, Rick Stroud. Uh, you're going to check it out with Mark Topkin too. You know, if it's something that's that's going on with, with the Tampa Bay Times, or you know, so it's it's not just one person quoting one person and nobody else knows about it. I mean, you usually get right. corroboration as well. So right. Well, check that out in uh, uh, Tom's newsletter on uh, Pointer.org. And, uh, Tommy, thanks for being with me this week, man. It was fun. Always fun. Thanks, man. Well, the Bucks will continue free agency. We'll keep you up to date on that. Make sure you check out TampaBay.com and uh, the Tampa Bay Times for all your latest uh, Bucks news, as well as the Lightning and the Rays and all of that. And we'll be back on Monday for Steve Burstink. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 